Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Amen. If you're streaming this morning, you have no idea what you're missing. Praise the Lord. You know, let me just say this too. Nothing, nothing wrong with streaming, <clears throat> but it's not, it's a connection point. Don't make it your life, okay? Um, I know people who are like, man, you know, virtual works fine with me. No. You know, you don't get, you really can't get to know people virtually. It's virtually impossible. See what I did there? Um, I mean, you can't have a virtual marriage. Some of you want to have a virtual marriage, but you can't really have a successful virtual marriage, right? Okay, let me get into the Word. Um, we've been in the series in Acts, and I'm going to get into Acts chapter 2. We'll start with verse 37. We hit on this last week, but I'm going to start at verse 37 in a moment. But what, what motivates you to change? What motivates you? What challenges you to make changes? To, to allow your life to be moved in the direction that you hadn't planned on necessarily, but you know it's necessary. What is that motivation? Now, if we're honest, uh, when you go on any platform with media, it, you're marketed like crazy. <clears throat> they follow you everywhere on media. If you shop and buy anything, isn't it amazing how all those um, ads just start popping up by everything you start to scroll on, right? Because they're, they're following you, all right? Now, it, it, why? Because they know what you're looking for, and they want to be a part of what you're looking for. And we're all looking for something better, something greater, change. Um, I heard Anthony... Anthony shared an incredibly uh, humorous story Wednesday night, and if I have his permission, thank you. Um, but he shared that when they were living in South Africa, he, and I'm, I might paraphrase this a little bit, but he was uh, online doing some, uh, looking online, and he saw an incredible article on how to be able to sing like Frank Sinatra in three easy lessons. But he also saw another article on how he could look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in three easy lessons. So we bought them, downloaded both of them. But you know, if, if you're not careful, because what happened, he ended up singing like Arnold Schwarzenegger and looked like Frank Sinatra, which that part's not too bad. Now, what am I saying? Sometimes what's getting marketed to us is not really the change that's going to happen in you. That's why it's called marketing. They're just trying to get you to buy something. I mean, it's a proven point. The, the reason the market is filled with, we want to give you a 15-volume set, and you can watch it anytime, and you'll buy it. You know why? You'll never watch it. They already know that. Because virtually, we're not driven to change like we think we are. We see it. We want to change. Uh, even, can I meddle here just a little bit? Even online education is challenging. 
because we scope things down just enough to get through eight weeks. But let me ask you a question. What really gets through you in eight weeks? I'm not knocking education. I'm just saying we live in a culture that we're pushed and marketed to accept whatever change happens as change that's necessary. And if we're not careful, we settle for the change that we've experienced. Now, what does that mean for us today in Acts? When we see the book of Acts, how it started a few chapters ago, and Luke is the writer, Dr. Luke tells us it's just a, almost like a tag-on to the book of Luke because he says, O Theophilus, I'm, I'm continuing to write to you the, the things that Jesus taught and did. There are actions involved, but it's not just to make life a little bit better. The whole idea was that Jesus was proclaiming to be God. So to the Jewish community, this is huge. So by the time we get to the day of Pentecost, not only has Jesus arisen, not only had he ascended, but many had seen him. And on the day of Pentecost, there were uh, tongues of every nation, people and Jews from every nation present, and they began to speak in other languages, not unknown languages, unknown to them, but languages that the others understood as a glorified God. Now, here's Here's the catch. All these Jews began to hear their language. It made sense to them in their language, God being glorified. And then Peter steps up and says, because the, the world's still asking this question, what are you doing? What does what you do mean? What exactly are you marketing? Because really, we as the church, if we're witnesses, we're marketing something. We're supposed to be witnesses. The church is not the four walls. It's the body of Christ. <laughs> I'm not going to get lost in a lot of definition this morning, but there's, there's two parts of the body of Christ I need you to understand. There's the universal body of Christ, which is, um, some would call it the unseen body of Christ, but it's the body of Christ of every true believer that's a part of the world wide body of Christ. But then there's the local church. So let me just stop here and say, you cannot, and if you want further definition about this, register for flow. You cannot just say, I'm a Christian, but I don't really have to be a part. You just said you're a Christian, but you don't have to be a part. You're a part of the body. How does it show up in the local church? The local church is where not only do we live it out, but we're a lighthouse to the community. And what's happening here in the book of Acts is the beginning of the New Testament church as we know it. Because Jesus says, I will build this church. I will build the church. Not See, I don't, I'm not the church builder. You know, sometimes we refer to pastors as the coach. And you're the players. No, Jesus is the coach. God is the owner. The Holy Spirit is the guide. I'm the equipment manager. You're the players. Because as a pastor, I'm called to equip. That's not a demotion. I'm just trying to hand out equipment as fast as possible. Why? Because every day of your life, you're running plays. Every day of your life. This isn't about just survival. This isn't about, man, I want a better job. No, he wants a better you at that job. I told you I was meddling for just a second. He, he wants a, a better you in your home. Um, 
I'm an equipment manager. So what does that mean? It, it first means I have to really understand what the body of Christ should look like because that's what we're trying to equip, right? Because on that day, after Peter gets up and preaches, and again, his uh, Cliff Note sermon basically was, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, now uh, pro prophecy had been fulfilled. But then he goes on to remind them, remind everybody there, listen, Jesus Christ, you saw him operate. You saw this man claiming to be Jesus, claiming to be God's, God's son, sent from heaven to be a sacrifice, to die on a cross. He did all those things. You saw him do miracles. You put him there. You put him there. And the same goes for us. He came, no man took his life, he gave it. Why? Because we could not save ourselves. He came to die on a cross for you and I. And although it's a very personal relationship, it's also a very body-specific relationship. We're part of the body of Christ. So now what does that mean? Because as we read this, and let's just start reading. I'm going <clears> to <throat> start reading at verse 37. Peter's preached. He reminds them that Jesus Christ not only has risen but ascended and that he's coming again. Now, when they had heard these things, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I'd like to think that the world is going to ask us two questions in the next several years and decades of our life. If the Lord tarries, what is this and what shall we do? What's going on in your life and what do I need to do to get in on it? That's the kind of lighthouse the church should be. Somebody say amen. So what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God has called to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as all had any need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, without recapping too much on last week, <clears throat> the whole idea of repentance and baptism, listen, this is such deep teaching. I'm trying not to avoid great teaching, but we could be here for weeks. We, we literally will be in this passage for several weeks. There's going to be a little bit of a break, and Pastor Nick's going to start us in chapter 3. But my point is, you can't just breeze through some of this stuff. We talked a little bit last week about the fact that repentance doesn't just mean I'm going to physically, because I've got enough strength and I've got enough endurance, I'm going to turn away from this stupid stuff that I do, and I'm going to be a better person to prove to Jesus I love him. But I fail at that every week. 
I, I determine in my heart, it's like going to the gym. Can I get an amen? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a gym membership, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to lose, and then I lose. I lose the battle of will. And see, that, that's what we think repentance is. Repentance is turn away from your sloppy, out-of-shape self and turn into a new man with the only way you know how to do it, and you fail. We make a few steps, and we're making sense. They're not saying repent in your self-will. Repentance means a change of your thinking. Your thinking will change your direction. What is the thinking he's talking about? What saves your soul? What changes your life? It is only Jesus Christ, guys. It is, when you depend on your ability, you will never be saved. And when you depend on Christ and what he has done, that's what makes you saved. It is only Jesus Christ who saves us. We cannot earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't. Now, as the Holy Spirit works in you, you'll find those things that you have always gravitated to. You'll find the, the loss of hunger for that all the time. Now, don't be surprised because Satan is out to destroy you. He would like to pull down any good thing that God is doing in your life. So are you tempted to go back there? Sure. You are absolutely going to be tempted. That's called life. But as we walk in the Holy Spirit and as we've come together as the body of Christ, how does that change? Now, some of you are going to get a little nervous. Because we don't live in a culture of accountability. We, we live in a culture, quite honestly, that and it, we didn't get here overnight. It's taken many generations, but <clears throat> listen, and parents don't get upset with me, but um, I was the same way and to a great extent. We've raised our children with the mindset of, I'm not going to do to them what my parents did to, to me. Well, listen, your parents were thinking the same thing, all right? And your grandparents were thinking the same thing. Because, you know, back in the day... This is before I was born, right? I mean, if somebody, I've seen someone try to back talk my grandmother. It got ugly. I mean, it got ugly. Uh, and, and, of course, nowadays we're like, oh, that was terrible. No, that worked. Nobody sass grandma anymore. I mean, you walked in the house, yes, ma'am, Nana. You know, you felt like you could talk to anybody else because then Nana would come behind you and whip them too right? So what did we teach our children? Um, I'm never going to do that to you. You can say whatever you want. And it just, it, now that, um, that's a broad statement, but you, get, you understand what I'm saying, right? Now just, now walk that down a few generations and it, it impart that thinking into your spiritual dynamic. Because I can't tell you how many parents I've talked to, their kids are in kindergarten, and their statements are, we want them to decide what they want to believe themselves. That's when I want to slap them in the mouth. Okay? Now, please, you're violent. No, I'm not violent. It's, it's understanding, please listen, it's understanding that our culture doesn't think like a culture 100 years ago. But the rebellion that's cyclical in our culture has taken place. And we really do live in a culture that no one respects authority. No one respects uh, an absolute view. Because everybody has the right to have their own. 
And if you tell someone, even a child hears what needs to happen. No. Now, in a toddler, that's called rebellion. In an adult, it's called rebellion. In a 60-year-old, it's called rebellion. Are you saying we don't have a right? Listen, that's an American westernized mindset. You actually don't have a right when it comes to God. You have an opportunity. You have a Savior. You have a God who loved you so much that he came, not because you deserved it, but because he loved you. Now, now, if I'm coming across a little bit strong to someone, to some of you like this, he's still preacher light, but to some of you, I might be coming across a little bit strong. It's not out of arrogance, I promise you. It says that you're not going to hear people shoot straight with you. When you go to work, if someone were to shoot straight with you like this, even about work, we live in a culture that even at work when someone is told, here's how you need to do this, forget you, man. I'll go do what I want to do somewhere else. And we call it um, having to buy their loyalty. We want to earn their loyalty first. No, we just live in a generation where everybody men mentally thinks, I can do what I want to do, and there's no repercussions because there's no absolute truth. Some of the classes that I get to teach at Regent from time to time when this subject comes up, and all the, all the students are clamoring for their definition of what truth can be. I said, okay, everybody's got their own truth. I agree with that. That's fine. I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Now, it's time to go to bed. Let's just say it's time to go to bed. Whose truth are we going to go with? At the end of the day, and it's time to turn out one light, whose truth? Well, we'll take turns. No. No. At, at some point, and I don't want to get into a, apologetic sermon this morning, but listen, if you don't believe there's a God, the rest of the sermon won't make sense. If you don't believe there's a Savior, you won't be happy that you're saved. If you don't believe that you are lost, you'll never be happy that you're found. If, if you don't believe that you're blind to some things, you'll never understand what it is to be able to see. So, when, when this takes place on the day of Pentecost, and Peter shares this, they're cut to their hearts. When the Bible says 3,000 came to the Lord that day, this was a bunch who had to turn away from all that they had identified with up through their life and accept a new identity in Jesus Christ. And, and something happened. And, and listen, this is something that the church has tried to coerce and make a... Um, a model for, but this can be modeled in many different ways. I just want you to see the principles and the incredible need for this to take place in our church. What were the first things that they started to do? Um, well, I tell you, the first thing they didn't decide to do was to try to buy a building. Because it's not about a building. So when you see the church, think about this for a minute. When you see the church in your mind, when you think about church, what is it that you think about? It's rhetorical, obviously. What is it that you think about? A powerful people serving a powerful God, making a powerful difference in their community, or those people that protest everything? Those people that are against everything? Those people who don't let people, certain people come to the church? Because we only want you cleaned up when you walk in. 
those people who they were against this, they were against that. Anybody raised in that church? I was. When I was a kid, I could tell you, John, what do you believe in? Well, I believe you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. That was the depth of my belief. But see, when, when I know what the church is really about, and let's talk about this for a few minutes. So what should the world be seeing when they see us as the body of believers? First of all, just look around the room real quick. Um, you may know a lot of people here. You may not know anyone here. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you may have just started yesterday, you may have started this morning, or you may have started 10 years ago. You may have started 20 years ago, and it's been a bumpy road. The, the, the point is, if you are a part of the body of Christ, we're all brothers and sisters. So look one more time at your family. Yeah. Some of you are thinking, ooh. Yeah. Is the adoption agency still open, right? Because um, here's what we're not supposed to do. And I'm just being brutally honest. This is not about us uh, shopping around and finding churches that we're comfortable with. Because something will always be different at other churches that you won't like either. It might be a person, all right? And, and I have nothing wrong. The, the way churches get bigger is they've got to work at getting smaller. And when churches get smaller, they get to know each other, and people just keep coming. Why? Because the Lord adds to the church. I did all my doctoral work in natural church development. I've never been a big um, proponent or, or push uh, the church growth movement because we've become professionals at growing things and calling it church. You can grow a church and never mention Jesus Christ. So... So I, I really involved myself in natural church development, which several of the components are very important. It's almost like growing something. If you provide the dirt, and you provide the seed, and you provide the nutrients, and you provide the water, natural things will happen. Think about it for a minute. Just think. I mean, I know that's not deep. But if you just provide natural things that the Word of God gives us, natural growth takes place. It's more important that it's taking place in here, but see what I've discovered is when growth is taking place in here, it has a tendency to reach out there. People are impacted by it. So what are some of those natural things that we have to be intentional about? You ready? They devoted themselves to the Word. They devoted themselves to the Word. Why is this important? <clears throat> God's Word to them at that time in their life, the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching, was because they had just, this had not been written yet. This was still in the process of being written. You and I have the privilege of having the sacred text. This is not something people threw together, folks. Over thousands of years, this has been scrutinized, it's been tried to be destroyed, they've tried to put it away, but it's still the bestseller in all the world. God's word is quick and alive, it's powerful. And, and even today, it's going to cut. But it's not because I'm up here wielding a sword, it's the Holy Spirit knows exactly what he wants to say to us. 
And see, when he says devoted to the word, at that specific time and in that specific place, it because the apostles, the apostles for, for many years had been walking physically with Jesus. They had heard Jesus tell them and teach them and, and correct them. If you're Peter, you had a whole notebook full of correction. You had a full chapter out of all the stuff Jesus called you, right? You even had a get behind me chapter. So, so when you had spent time with Jesus, you had heard his teachings, you had heard his commands. And Jesus told the disciples, I want you to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, their identity changes because of the work he's doing, but then teach them, make disciples, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. In other words, everything I'm telling you, teach them. And that little by little was passed down until we have this. But at that moment, what did they do? They got together daily. They would get together, and one of the apostles would teach. Here's what Jesus said to me. Here's how... Here's that one story about Jesus that, that, that you've heard often, I know, but here's what happened when I was there. So they heard personal stories. Some of them had been there and seen it with the apostles, but the point is they met on a daily basis. Why? Because it wasn't just to intellectualize what they know about Jesus. It was to, okay, when you were walking with him, what did that walk look like? Because we want to be emulating that walk. Because he's called us to be like Christ. He didn't call us just to know him. The demons know him and tremble. Um, he doesn't want us to know about him. He wants us to follow him. And so why this devotion to the word? And by the way, that devotion doesn't mean just a, a, a what we call devotions today. A hit and miss time with Jesus in the morning. It was an intentional a very intentional commitment to live by the apostles' teachings. Now, this is strong, but don't forget, everything we're talking about, we're speaking to spirit-filled believers. Because when you start talking about following Jesus in the world that we're living in, what does that look like? Well, I'm not expecting any of you to leave here today and go anywhere and just start preaching. But for a lot of us, it, it will just start by simply saying no to something. Hey, man, see you Thursday night. No. No, you won't. Why not? What's oh, oh, church. Oh, okay. You're one of those guys. Mm, yep. You know, I, I've not done the water thing yet, but I changed my thinking. And, I'm, and, and the preacher sort of scares me occasionally, but. I'm in the Word, not just once a week, but I even, you know, if you don't have a Bible, I'll buy you one. If you don't have your own personal Bible, I'll, and I know I'm old school, I like something you can hold in your hands that the battery doesn't run out. Somebody say amen. But if it's on your phone, download something. If it's, get something somewhere, listen to me, please. If, it, if, it's, if it's on your phone, if it's on an iPad, whatever it may be, read it. Write down all the questions you have. This doesn't make sense to me. But that's where we continually get together as the body, and we talk about those things. Oh, I knew he was going to get to a bunch of stuff I have to do. Listen, now we are at a part where COVID has messed us up. 
because we've started believing that something that's abnormal has become our new normal. And to, to not continue to get together as believers has destroyed a lot of people because they do stay on their own and they isolate thinking they're taking care of themselves. And I'm not talking about not being careful with COVID. I'm talking about they can just do church by themselves. And listen, I love you, but it doesn't work. There are no long rangers in the kingdom. And the whole devoted to the word, it also means that my life now becomes based on this. I live my life according to the standards of God. If God says go right, I'm going to turn right. If God says turn left today, I'm turning left. Well, is it that specific? Absolutely. But that's why we need each other. Now, please listen to me. I could read some places in here, and I know somehow of us, how some of us are. We have a tendency to say, Lord, what's your will for today? The prince, shall, the, the prince shall then be in their midst when they go in. He shall be in them, and when he goes out, he shall go out. That must mean I'm a prince today. <laughs> now you think, oh, come on, Pastor. There's a, yeah, there's people out there like that, I promise you. That's why we need each other. Because if we have each other, we say, no, you're not the prince. We've already got one. His name is Jesus. Um, and that's not how you read the Bible, by the way. It, it, well, I don't. Now we get back to, can somebody just give me an amen? That's when we start crossing those bridges of, well, nobody tells me what to do. I'm going to study the Bible like I want to study the Bible. You can, but when you're a part of the body, uh, there's people that come alongside you and say, hey, that, that's not... That's not exactly what that means. Well, I disagree with you. Okay, but, and, and I don't even like the statement, well, let's agree to disagree. No, that's when we have to be mature enough, because I'm telling you right now, a lot of us in this room, the change and the transformation that's going to take place in our life isn't necessarily that you become perfect overnight. It's that you begin to see things in the Word of God that He's been trying to tell you forever. And it just becomes a lie. And you realize, wow, what my parents were saying 10 years ago, um, and I've mentioned this before, parents, don't you just hate it when you're trying to speak something into your children, and then they come, one, come home one day at 18, and they're like, hey, my coach just told me this, it's incredible. And you're like, I've been telling you that for 20 years, where, you, where have you been, right? Now, all I'm saying is things that you've been reading and learning and hearing about, one conversation in the cafe one conversation at grace group, one conversation in a Bible study, it'll, it'll, uh, one reading of the scripture by yourself at home, it opens something up and you say, now I understand it. I, I'm beginning to see it. But why? Why is that important? Because everything we do is based on the word. It's either truth or not. Now, why is that important? I could go on with the rest of this message, but if we don't understand that it's built on the word, it's just fellowship. It might as well be the YMCA. It might as well be, it might as well just be an outreach ministry and, and we all get fed, but nobody gets filled, right? It could, it could be anything. It could be any club. We could just start a club, but we can call it a Jesus club, but if we're not living by the word, here's, here's my challenge, and I've said this before, but I've got to drive this home. Here's my challenge with COVID. COVID sat us still long enough where you could see what was not working. And when you can start seeing things that aren't working, you start realizing, wow, 
we were spending a lot of energy just to try to get people to come to a club but not teach them to stand on Jesus. And Jesus even tells us in his word, if your life is built on this, you'll be like a man who builds his house on a rock, and when the storms come, he's not impacted. But if you don't build this, uh, your life on the rock, then you're like a man who builds his house on the sand. And when the storms start pounding his home, his life is washed away. Can I, can I just tell you something? Have you ever thought maybe why everything in your life constantly feels like it's being washed away? And you go to church. You go to the club. You sign up for the activities. Am I by myself? I... We sign up for the activities, but our lives aren't built on the sand, on the rock. I found it so much more important to know that my life is built on a rock. It's a daily process, guys. It's a daily process. And it's not about me being perfect. It's about my, what me trusting what Peter said, what trusting what the Word of God says. And what is that? That it's in Jesus Christ. I'm not saved in my good works. I'm saved because I believe Him, and I'm building my life on Him. Now, how does that transfer to how we live it out? Well, Here's one good way. It's built because we're devoted to the word. But then the next step as the body of Christ, imagine this. What would the church look like if we were devoted to the word, but then we were devoted to one another? Uh, a couple things here. In the word, in Acts 2 there, where the word fellowship is used, that word fellowship or kononia, it, it doesn't mean the love we have for the unsaved. The one and others are sitting beside you. See, the unsaved could care less about what we have if we can't even love each other. Um, I'm going to say that again. You can go and, and preach all day, but if they don't see you living it, who cares? You, you can even invite people to come here, but if we're just a club, they were better off at their club. They already knew everybody's name there. Oh, this is good. You're just not acting like it. Here's, <clears throat> here's what I found out, that when we start loving one another like the Bible says love one another, it'll shake people up. It'll shake us up first. Because imagine a place where you, you just are having a bad day, but people are coming around you just to love on you. Imagine you're going through a struggle and people come aside alongside you, and they help you. They don't preach to you. You know, you wouldn't be going through this if you live, right? No, it's not about judgment. It's about you seeing somebody that's hurting. Help them. Let me just give you an idea of what the New Testament says. And listen, I know you're not used to this with me, but I put them all up here on the screen. So take a picture because you won't write this fast. He said, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Everybody say love. To love each other. Love each other how? As he loved us. Now, just think about that for a second. That's how I get through my marriage every week. I, I get upset, and I try to figure out, how can I win this one? And, man, I got to be honest with you. I've not, not figured that one out. 
I just gave up on winning a long time ago. I don't know. Because and my biggest thing is, John, you got to preach in about three days. You better get serious. You better get some stuff. You can't preach until you've got things right with your wife. You better get serious. And usually it's about, if I'm smart, it's Wednesday, but sometimes it, it's about Saturday, baby. I just want to just throw this out there. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Why? Because there is no way I'm going to get in this pulpit without laying everything before Jesus Christ one more time and not being up here because I'm perfect, but because I'm saved and I'm an equipment manager. I'm just here to equip you. I'm just here to press you a little bit. Um, here's some new shoulder pads. You're going to need them this week. All right. Now, now. What, what is this, how, you know, this whole marriage thing, how we, how we get sideways in that? What if, what if the world starts seeing us walking things out? Now, please, I know some of you are sitting here. We have every scenario imaginable sitting here. I understand that. This isn't about making anybody feel bad. It's about letting everyone see hope. It's about letting the world see that, you know what? You may have failed at this. But God still loves you, and so do we. You may, not, you may even become a bar, part of the body of Christ, and you're walking with us. And, and can I just say this? Don't get scared about flow. Flow isn't like we're going to take you in the cafe, and you're not leaving until you sign the dotted line. No. We're inviting you to walk with people who are going to love you to the bitter end. And when the world comes caving down on top of us, We'll all be punching back together with the anointing of Jesus Christ and walking together, never by yourself again, because as the body of Christ, we're here to love each other. We're here to support each other. Does that make sense? And, and you're not going to find that, that in the world. I'm telling you, you'll find a place where you'll hang out long enough until you run out of whatever they want from you. That's exactly what happened. And, and when you find out from the Word of God throughout the New Testament that we love one another. We who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. See, we're not just here as individuals. We're, we're intertwined. We need each other. I, I know we live in a culture, and please, God bless America, but America has determined many, many years ago that as individuals, we're self-made men, self-made women. We have a right I need you. I need you desperately. And as far as I know, I'm a man's man. Now, I can't do what I used to do when I was 35, but I could look silly trying, right? That's exactly why we need each other. We can do more together than we can on our own. I'm not ashamed to say we need each other. It's not a weakness, right? How many of you in the military uh, if you were ever selected to go out on a mission by yourself, you look forward to that. No, it's when you knew you were with people who had your back, right? Um, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, just think about that. Think about how syrupy that would be when we first start practicing that. Just think about what today's going to look like when church is over. Just think about it. Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, if I don't really think they're that great, you know what? Just tell them. Tell them to have a great day. 
I say, I'm hoping you have a great day. You know, I'm hoping your clothes selection works out better next week. Whatever your hope is, be positive, right? Be positive. Don't be negative. Don't criticize each other. The members would have the same concern for each other. What if we cared about each other all the time? Am I making any sense? What if we carried one another's burdens? One of the reasons we're having a hard time, and I'm not going to preach on every one of these, I promise, but one of the reasons we have a hard time with this is we've got so used to being able to take care of ourselves that it's even turned into, I'm not even get my phone, it's, it's turned into we can spend our whole day taking care of ourselves right here. And we think, and we think that that's answering it, and we lose social skills. Somebody does say, I hope you have a great day. You too. Right? Um, nothing against technology, but um, one thing for sure, I'd love for some of you to stop being online. Okay, that's another sermon. Instruct one another. Carry one another's burdens. With patience, bearing one another in love. Be kind and compassionate one to another. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. In humility, consider others more important than yourselves. Do not lie to one another. Encourage one another. Always pursue what is good for one another. Let us watch out. Now, let me just stop here. This is talking about what the body of Christ should look like. This does not, now don't, we can talk about this afterwards. This does not mean how we should always be treating the world. We'll talk about that later because we should be reaching out to the world. But who cares what your reaching out looks like if we're not doing this at home? Hello? Who cares? It's like wanting to be a missionary. You know, oh, we got we to send people to China. If you're not willing to go across the street, who cares if you go across the ocean? Right? This is good. This is good stuff. Why, why worry about what we're going to live like at work tomorrow if we can't live it here? So love one another. Well, Pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. Just think, that's why we're going to get to this in a minute. Just think about what Christ did for you. Think about what, again, that's how I get through the week with my wife. About the time I figure out I'm not winning this, I'm realizing, man, Christ loved me and I'm a jerk. Christ loved me and I'm a pain sometimes. Christ loves me. How can I not love everybody? And when it comes to the brothers and sisters in church, now he's calling us to outlove each other, to outdo each other. Be hospitable one to another without complaining. Let all, as, as all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. Very quickly, I'm, I've got to close. Devotions to the breaking of bread. So not only is there a devotion to the word, there's a devotion to one another. But what is this devotion to the breaking of bread? Well, if you, if you follow a lot of different scholars and readings, some will limit it just to, the, the, um, to what we know as communion today. But it's more than that. Communion is vital. Communion is important. We had it last Sunday. We'll have it again in, in a few weeks. 
But what it meant was in everything that you do, in every meal that you partake in, in all of your fellowship, in all of your gatherings, don't forget it's about Christ. Don't forget that while you're gathered, it's about Christ. Um, some, some would say that this is where even praying for your bread, praying for your meals even started here. Even though I believe the Jews had uh, different ceremonies and different prayers that they would pray before their meals for Thanksgiving. But in the Christian church, because when they would come together just for a regular meal, they would bless the bread because Christ was the bread and was broken for them. And they would thank God for all that he has provided. Grace and his blessing. Can I tell you that puts a whole new slant on blessing lunch this afternoon. Now when you're gathered together with friends this afternoon, don't, well, we're in a restaurant, it's hard to pray. No, no, it's not. Close your eyes. You won't see anybody looking at you. Just take everybody's hand around the table and everybody close their eyes and you won't see anybody laughing. You won't see anybody smirking. And when you say amen, you'll have spoken volumes to a lot of people. Because that's where some of the questions are like, what is that? Start. But what are you doing? Showing off? No. You're reminding those people that you're sitting with at that table. It's all, everything we're doing, guys, is about Jesus. In him we live and move and have our being. We don't have to be in the four walls of a building, even at this table, at whatever restaurant you name this afternoon, or at Taco Bell. I'm not sure what that food is, but at Taco Bell. No matter where you go, it's all about Christ. Am I making sense? And let me just move quickly to this last point. By prayer. A devotion to prayer. Um. And what is this? It's a very intentional commitment. Intentional commitment. This does not break down a, a litigious, um, we're, we're setting up rules that if you're going to be a part of the church, you've got to do this. No, it's by the moving of the Holy Spirit. We're living by his word. We find ourselves loving one another like we've never loved each other before. And we're wanting to outdo each other. We're wanting to help each other. Um, we'll get to this in a few weeks of how it wasn't communism, it was Jesusism. That whatever you had, they didn't take it from you. That's communism. They, well, we're, we're all equal at the foot of the cross, but the Bible doesn't say you can't own stuff. It's that people's hearts were so touched, if they saw a need, they just get rid of stuff and meet that need. Now, if you think the world won't get awoken by that kind of generosity, when you're living in a, in a culture, in a church that says, hey, I had a need, but man, we prayed and God met it. You know, sometimes we want God to do a miracle, and he's just waiting on us to loosen up your wallet. You know, we, we got needs in the church. Well, God knows where everything is. Just loosen up. Everybody say that with me, would you please? Loosen up. I'm not trying to get your money, because if we're living by the word, you'll trust God. So what, what does this got to do with prayer, Pastor? There's, there's times of prayer corporately that we pray, the opening of the service, in between the service, when we close the service. Why? Because prayer is just talking to God. You need to be talking to God every day. Paul even says, pray without ceasing. 
It doesn't mean you walk around mm, trying to pray with your eyes closed. It means that you're constantly having a conversation with God in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind, in your studies. Wherever you are, you're having a conversation with God. And, and here's why. Because when you do realize who he is, and this is the kingdom, and what is the kingdom supposed to be in the world right now? A taste of heaven. Now think about this just, just for a minute, and I promise I'm closing. Shoot that next slide up there, Donovan, please. See, when you invite a friend to church, we come here corporately to do everything we've been talking about. But see, when you invite a friend to church, they should get a little taste of heaven. Even, they may not understand the music, but it's not about finding the, the hippest band. It's not, you can find better preachers everywhere. No, thank you. You can find better preachers everywhere. You can find a lot of better buildings. You can find a lot of better stuff. But here's, here's the point. When we're the body of Christ, God says you can be a taste of heaven right here. Somebody hurting can come in and, and realize this is what being a part of the body of Christ can feel like. This is a little taste of the kingdom. Because the world's rough, guys. The, Satan does not care for us. And, and, and you still, you're still trying to be a light at work. You're still trying to be a light at home. And I promise you, he's going to fight you all the way. But, but isn't it powerful to know that on a, a daily basis, if we desired, but certainly several times a week when we come together, a little taste of heaven. Everybody's loved. Everybody's accepted. How did Jesus teach his disciples to sort of practice this? Because even the disciples said, Jesus, please teach us how to pray. Many of us know this as the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the Lord's Prayer. He taught it to us to pray. It, it simply says this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm not going to preach through this, but there's a reason it says our Father, not my Father. In the Old Testament, Psalms 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his sake. He restores my soul. Even if I walk, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For He's the rod and staff that comforts me. He prepares a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But see, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, here's how I want you to pray as the body of Christ. Our, our God, our Father, our Creator, our Sustainer, our Strength. Holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Why? Because when Jesus came, he said, the kingdom of heaven is here. Let your kingdom come. And what we're saying is, God, here's your kingdom. Let your will be done. Here on earth, let us be a little taste of heaven as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, Anybody ever have the, the mega million prayer? Come on, be for real now. You know, our faith gets really, really good when we have a million dollars in the bank. But most of us, you know what? If you had a million dollars in the bank, you would be a million one hundred thousand dollars in debt. What, is, what am I saying? When, when Jesus says, here's how I want you to pray, give me today. 
what I need. Don't worry about tomorrow. What do I need today? Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, help me to love other people today like you love me. Lead us not to temptation. Lord, when the enemy comes, help me to fight well by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why? Because it's your kingdom, it's your power, and it's for your glory. Amen. So here's what I want us to do. Let's all stand. I want us to pray this together. Now don't make it just the prayer that you had memorized in kindergarten. Don't make it just something you rush through. But, but it could be for many of us, we use this prayer even as we pray this week. Our Father, our Father, please listen to me. Our Father, and when you're praying through this, just please listen to the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, I just wonder what it would be like if when we leave here today, we start even thinking in terms of, I want to be that person of the word who is devoted to each other, who certainly is putting Christ first in everything, even in every meal. We're going to talk about this more in the next few weeks. But, but then living a life of prayer. I'm going to find it very interesting because I know that even as we practice this as we leave today, just, just think about that one person before we close in prayer. Think about that one person, that one another person. Maybe, maybe they're here, or maybe just you're going to cross paths with somebody you don't recognize or you don't know that well. I wonder what it, what it would be like just to love one another and getting to know that person. Reaching out to one another. Maybe, maybe there is someone that has crossed you. Maybe there is someone that has hurt your feelings. You know, when I realize what Christ has done for me, it's hard for me. I've got to work hard at hating. I've got to work hard at being disagreeable. But when I remember what he's done for me, that one another kicks in pretty quick. Who is that? Am I making sense? I love you guys. And you know what? You are a powerful body of Christ. The local church is vital, and I promise you, God's got a plan for your life. Now I realize some of you might be visiting and you have a local church. Listen, that's where you need to be, and thank you for being here today. But, but God, God puts us in churches on a purpose. Don't, don't just keep looking for places until you find the right worship that you like. Um, that's not what it's about. 
God might have you specifically here because there's someone here that gets on your nerves. It may be me, just saying. But it may be someone that you really don't even have to hang out with. Can I tell you that, that that's why God may have you here, to prove that the, the, the weirdest people in the world can be a part of the family of God and everybody still loves them. That's why some of us are here, amen? To prove that God can love us. I just want to throw this out. Don't go looking for a hip church. They're out there. But see, what, what happens is you start looking for the wrong things. Look for Jesus. Look for Jesus. And when you can keep your eyes on Jesus, we're all moving in the same direction. Um, I want some of our prayer teams to come up real quick. We're going to be dismissed in prayer. But if you're here this morning and you really are, you're struggling with something. There's something that God is just in your spirit you're wrestling with. I want you to just spend some time, maybe come up for prayer, and the rest can be dismissed. But let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the body. I thank you, Lord, that on the day of Pentecost, when people were asking, what is this? There was an answer. This is that. And the response was powerful, Lord. How do we? Lord, I pray that even in our gathering today, that your Holy Spirit would begin to just stir in us, Lord, the realities of who we are in you and what you desire to do through us. Lord, I pray that you move in us, Lord, as we leave this place. Let your glory and your power be seen in our lives. Lord, whether it's at a meal together, in our conversations, or just how we treat each other. Now we praise you, Lord. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. If you desire prayer, please come forward. We love you, and we'll see you in grace groups this week. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.